If it's not perfect, it doesn't go out the door. I shot my swim campaign two weeks ago and I didn't think it was up to scratch. I scratched, got rid of the entire thing and reshot it last week and now I'm absolutely thrilled and proud of it. You get a first shot at a first impression and if it's not on point, if it's not absolutely incredible, people will pass you by for the next person. I'm quite relentless with that. My team is is relentless as well with that. Hey, welcome to the Lady Brains podcast. We're your hosts, Caitlin Judd and Anna McKenzie, co-founders of Lady Brains, a digital and IRL club for female founders and founders-to-be. We're chasing down the most successful female entrepreneurs from around the globe, not only to hear their life story, but to extract their knowledge and world-class insights. If you're curious and ambitious, then Lady Brain, you are in the right place. Get ready for some hard-hitting truths, a dose of inspo, and learnings you can apply right away. Strap in. How does it feel to reflect back on 10 years of hard work building a global fashion brand? That's the question we're asking today's guest, Rebecca Valance. She's built an iconic Australian label that has been worn by some of the biggest names around the world, including Chrissy Teigen, Hayley Bieber, Megan Gale, and of course, Lady Brains. Absolutely. <laughs> Her clothes are stocked in some of the largest retailers. You've got Netta Porter online, you've got Harrods in London, Saks Fifth Avenue in New York City, just to name a few. She's well known for a structured tailoring and luxury fabrics, but she's recently expanded into new categories, including bridal, loungewear, and shortly swim, as we just discussed. What don't you do? Children's wear. Oh, great. All right. Well, there's room to go. RV is back. <laughs> RV is back on the runway here at Carriage Works for Afterpay Australian Fashion Week. And we couldn't be more excited to share this stage with you to talk about all things business. Thank you, Beck, so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Beck, after hearing that very long list mm. of achievements, accomplishments, how do you feel? I feel elated today. Um, you know, it's so much goes into a show. Like I can't even tell you. I spoke to my brother yesterday um, on the phone. I'm from originally from country Victoria in Ballarat mm. um, and they obviously couldn't make it today because of the lockdown. And he said to me, I don't know why you do this. I don't know that this is good for your personality type. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like so much goes into it and it's mm. so stressful and it's not just stressful on me, it's stressful on the entire team, you mm, know, yeah. my family, everyone. So I think also... T- Two, to make it through 10 years, um, it's even 12 in Europe. And the last year obviously was not great, but, you know, and, and to be feeling strong and the team great, you know, it's it's a definitely a celebration vibe. And that's what, you know, we'll get to this later, but that's why I chose the collection to show today because yeah. it was reflective of where we are today. Mm. Mm. Well, it was a great, great runway show and you should be very, very proud of what you and your team were able to achieve. We want to kind of take it back. We want to set the scene and learn a little bit about who you were when you were younger. Did you always know that you wanted to be a fashion designer? It was the only thing I was interested in, yeah. So I grew up with um, two academic parents um, and they definitely um, had other ideas for me. (laughs) But as my parents openly say, like, it was, you You can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink. It was all that I cared about. Like I remember my year 12 exam piece, everyone was doing it on euthanasia and all these things. And I did it on <laughs> the death of Gianni Versace. You know what wow. I mean? Right. And I remember standing up in class and everyone's doing, you know, all these different things, which are obviously very important issues. And then I 
got up and did my um, thing on Gianni Versace. And I remember looking at everyone was looking at me like, you are so weird. And um, <laughs> yeah, to this day, like it's, you live and breathe. And I think to do what myself and what other designers do, you have to live and breathe it. Because if you come to run a fashion brand and you're only 50% in, you are going to fail. So mm. yeah, I, I, I love it. The people who work for me, um, I like to think as best practice in each chair in the office and we have a great time doing it. Um, but it's been, it's been relentless. It's been stressful and I'm so proud of them and I'm proud of what our show just was then. So, yeah. Where did that passion for fashion come from? Because I imagine in a small country Victorian town, but yeah. Back in the 80s, early 90s, that wasn't really something that was, you know, high on the agenda for everyone. Where did that come from? Where did you discover fashion? It's my grandmother. My grandmother's 91 um, today and I, I so yeah. wish she could have been here. Um, but she was an incredible seamstress, which is, mm. that's great. But she actually, I found out 10 years ago, she only has vision in one eye and 25% of that one eye, right? And that was 10 years ago. She kept wow. you know, kept a secret. You'd never know. The woman can sew, like I cannot tell you, like it definitely puts me to shame. And she, <laughs> as a young kid, I used to spend all out my holidays with her. We'd go to the fabric shops, we'd buy fabric, we'd buy patterns, we'd make garments. And look, I think, I think it was 10, no, 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 it wouldn't have been. Five years ago, I did actually a collaboration with, um, the pattern group, the big international group that make patterns that they sell in the fabric shops at literally as a nod to how I started with my grandmother. Mm. Um, and it was funny, like you'd hand in your year nine assignments or whatever they were. And mine were always really good. And it didn't have anything to do with my own ability. It's because my grandmother was sewing them. <laughs> she was just cheaply doing them. Up. I mean, let's yeah, be honest. We've all, like, yeah, yeah. we've all had our parents or someone help us do yeah, us. Yeah. She'd be like, no, that's rubbish. Let's try again. <laughs> to this day, Actually, she still reads um, our electronic mails. You know, you get them each week or whatever mm. it is. And she will call me and be like, I really liked the colours this week, but I did not like the mail about the black and the white. No, that's just not, you know, it's not It's not right, you know. So it's good. She's still really involved. Keeping you real. Yeah, absolutely. We yeah, love that. I love, we love that. So you obviously had this creative flair, you had a passion for fashion, you had the inspiration from your grandmother, but at what point did you decide, okay, I want to channel this into a business, like a viable business? At what point did you, did you start to think, okay, this could be, actually be, you know, a viable business opportunity? I always wanted to do it, but I was always well aware that you, it costs money. You mm. know what I mean? Like it's, it's no joke. You know, you can have all the talent in the world, but you've got to have the the backing to be able to do it, you know? Um, and so I chose the safer route. Um, I worked, uh, I did a degree, um, bachelor of business and marketing, I think, and I hated pretty much the whole entire thing. <laughs> um, but <laughs> true story. Um, and then I, look, I was modeling the whole way through. So yeah. I started modeling when I was 13 years old. So it was a different world back then. And but it was a great eye-opener into the industry. It's nothing like that now. Um, but how much hard work's involved. Mm. And I kind of worked out what I did and didn't want to do. And I thought publicity was a mm. really, fashion PR was a safe route into it. And I worked with a lot of designers who were incredible. Like even Tony Matichewski, I remember mm. as a young girl, I think it would have been 21, um, working on some of his first shows. We're still really good friends to this day. Uh, and that was, 
an incredible foundation because in PR, you learn the business of the brand. And I worked really um, closely with all my designers. You know, it was back in the day when, you know, I remember doing the Gucci show and um, all these incredible, people had so much money for budgets, for for events. And yeah, it it was wonderful. And that was the basis. And I, I really learned, I think at the time, there were many, many designers, what people were doing well to succeed um, and if people, you know, fell over, I was also able to observe and take note on what had gone wrong. Um, and I worked in fashion PR for quite a long time and um, with some incredible brands. So that kind of pushed me into a really great place to when I moved to Europe to um, live with my um, boyfriend at the time or, you know, husband-to-be, Um I had a really solid base. I had a very strong understanding of what it takes to run a fashion company successfully. Mm. Do you think that, you know, completing that degree Mm. as well as having that fashion PR experience, um, you call RV a business, not a brand Mm. because you've had that experience and you've learned from those mistakes. Does that give you a competitive edge, do you think, in the fashion industry? Yeah, definitely. I think... um, knowing the things to avoid and the very real truth that you have to run it as a business. I wanted to use the best fabrications in the world, mm. but I needed to, I wanted to be a, appeal to the girl I was, you know. Um, I didn't earn very much money back in the in the day, but I loved fashion. I remember saving my entire wage <laughs> and I'd do something totally irresponsible and spend the whole thing, you know, almost the whole thing and then eat pretty much nothing for the rest of the week. <laughs> but I wanted to make sure the brand was always obtainable to everyone. And to this day, it's so important to me. Mm. Um, don't get me wrong. We've got gowns, you know, that are, that are up there at some point. But um, there is a really strong entry level there and always will be. Can you talk to us about the early days? Because you actually wrote quite a robust business plan in the beginning. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting because we speak to a lot of founders and some have written business plans and some have just kind of taken action and, and, you know. um, Leapt. Leapt, yeah, exactly, taken the leap. So why did you choose to write such a robust business plan? And do you think that was helpful? in terms of kind of launching the way yeah, that you Yeah, definitely. Did. Like even to this day, you can't start the a new year and not have a plan, you know. <laughs> um, and look, my husband obviously um, was the initial uh, investor and I wanted to prove, I had a lot to prove, you know. When you're um, coming as a fashion PR, no one's going to take you that seriously. Let's Let's be straight about that. So I had a lot to prove and I wanted to make sure I was organised and I had my point of difference and I wanted to use incredible fabrications and I wanted it to be cost effective and all these things. And I wanted it to be creatively beautiful. So there was so much to organize and I was living in London. So yeah, you need to get yourself organized. And yeah, I wanted to prove myself from day one. Mm. I had a lot to prove. Yeah. So you started RV overseas in London, as you said, where you were living at the time. Yeah. And you debuted in Paris. I mean, God, it doesn't get much more glam than that, does it? Um, and you managed to secure Harvey Nichols as your first retailer. Yeah, two Harvey Nichols stores. Yeah, in the first It's incredible. Season. Absolutely yeah. amazing. Why do you think they took a chance on you as a relative, as a brand new um, I think it's, it, to this day, it's about the product. It's about the pieces. It's about the artistry. Um, people don't care if you've got a nice story, you know, People want to make, they want to wear a beautiful, well-made product that they're going to have for a really, really long time. So I didn't launch it until I was absolutely ready to. Mm. Um, 
and that's, yeah, it's about the product. Still is to this day. You just said then you didn't launch it until you were absolutely <laughs> ready to. And yeah. I think it's a really interesting, there's a really interesting tension in business between perfectionism and getting something out the door and kind of testing and iterating. What's your approach to campaigns or new product development in terms of that tension? If it's not perfect, it doesn't go out the door. I shot my swim campaign two weeks ago and I didn't think it was up to scratch. I scratched, got rid of the entire thing and reshot it last week and now I'm absolutely thrilled and proud of it. You only have, um, you get a first shot at a first impression and if it's not mm. on point, if it's not absolutely incredible, people will pass you by for the next person. Mm. Um, I'm quite relentless with that. My team is is relentless as well with that. And I've done production runs, I remember, um, oh God, five years ago, it was the number one selling dress of the season at wholesale level. Mm-hmm. And it came into production and it wasn't right. And I pulled the entire thing and it cost me dearly, but I didn't want the customer, her opinion to be affected from that one dress. So yeah, I'm ruthless with that. Does, you know? your, does your team ever object? So no, they're, they're as fierce they're as I am. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mm. And that's a lot of my staff I've had for a very long time, you know, mm. eight years, six years, all these kind of things, you know. Um, it's a team. I say to them, I don't know if you read the in the, the thank you card today, but we're a family, you mm. know, and um, we do everything together and it is their passion as much as it is mine, Um And I'm fortunate I've got such great people working for me and I really mean that, you know. So you've obviously been in business for 10 years in Australia, 12 Mm. years overseas, and you've grown pretty rapidly over that time period. What have been some of the challenges of scaling over the last decade from a team perspective or potentially working with other retailers, going into different markets, different channels? What have been some of the really hard things? I think the hardest thing in the last um, 10, 12 years, whatever you want to call it, Um, has been going from a little business to a bigger business. Mm. Um, You know, I started the label and we were producing in Australia. Um, We're, you know, bringing some things back now to ensure that we're we're doing that as well. But when all of a sudden when we were um, picked up by like Net-A-Porter and those kind of big retailers, you know, you used to working in Australia where you can just pop around to Sally and, you know, see how it's going and, you know, we'll just change this, we'll change that. And then all of a sudden, when you are a much bigger business, it's, you know, and you've, you know, pushed things offshore, it is not like that. And there are real crucial deadlines. And yeah, there was definitely teething problems about, yeah, six years ago. Um, we're a well oiled machine now, but, um, you know, there's no easy road in life. I'm, I'm very open about you know, the things that were really hard. So that was by far the hardest. Yeah. And going from having a team of um, four girls to, you know, a, a much bigger team. And um, yeah, I was also, I had two pregnancies during that at the same time. And I was back with um, the second baby uh, within two weeks at a cesarean and two weeks later I was at the desk with him. Um, but yeah, there's, it was hard. We saw them today. On the runway. <laughs> I heard one of them was dancing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, we were dancing. Oh, the I music, <laughs> the energy was absolutely incredible and they were definitely dancing. What does it mean to bring your family along on this journey? Oh, it means everything. I think I was so emotional today and that might have been one of the reasons. You know, um, Mateus, my eldest, he thinks that I work um, at my double bass store every day and he said to me, Mummy, when you're singing on stage uh, today, 
please do not come over to me because I'll be really embarrassed. (laughs) (laughs) He has no idea. So, (laughs) um, and then I said, did you like it, Matthias? And he said, well, I went to give you a hug and you'd already walked off. So I didn't really like it. You know, they're so cute. They're they're very cute. Yeah. So gorgeous. (laughs) They're kids. So we mentioned in the intro that, you know, you're expanding into new categories. You've got the bridal, you've got, um, you're going into swim, which is very exciting mm-hmm. in October, which we look forward to seeing. Um, and last year, um, you also launched a lounge wear range called Sporty. Yeah. Can you tell us a bit about that? Because apparently you sold 80% of it off the bat. Yeah. And it went crazy. Yeah. Sporty was great. It sold out, I think, in three days. Yeah. So it's fun because... As a woman, I've, you know, I've been every shape, I think, you know, and size you can kind of be. And also to my needs as a woman have changed, you know, when I was younger, I wore certain things. And now mm-hmm. as a mom, I'm doing drop off, I'm doing pickup or whatever it is, you know, you, you're wanting different things. You don't want to wear like, for example, what I'm wearing all the time. So I think we looked within, within our customers' wardrobes, how can we dress them in different areas? So Sportif was one um, thing. And that's a, that's a great business. That's uh, casual. All the models um, had it on today, off-duty yeah, looks. They were loving it. They were so thrilled to be so nice and warm. They were like, yeah. oh, we don't want to take it off. Um, and bridal's been incredible. Mm. Yeah, because I think at the moment with the current climate, people are wanting from us to be able to come and buy that more pared-back gown, something that they actually might even wear again. Um, and it's more price-effective than, you know, um, maybe some other more expensive gowns. And yeah, it's good. I'm I'm thrilled. I'm I'm loving seeing the girls come in. And also too with bridal, it's such an emotional thing. Mm. Like I'm seeing the customers who are sending photos in of their incredible day. And they're in, I was in the strand um a few weeks ago and a a woman got her her wedding dress from us and she was in tears and she was thanking me. I'm like, no, I should thank you for actually buying it, you know? <laughs> um so the whole thing's great. Yeah. And so when you expand into new categories or when you're sitting there and thinking, what category can we tackle next? Mm. What informs that decision? Is that hearing your customers Mm. in store and online on social media? Is that driven by data? Is it partly gut? Can you talk us through your decision-making process as you expand into new areas? It's part of everything. You know, I usually, not at the moment, but I travel, you know, when it's a normal world and, um, you think about as a woman what you're looking for. I only wear my own brand. Mm-hmm. Um, so you think about that. What What is it? When I go on holidays, I get so like, oh, I don't have an RV swimwear. This, this, is, this is annoying, you know. But it takes time. And like I said before, I won't launch something until it's perfect. So, you know, swim's our, our thing for, for quarter four. Um, but next year I've already got my eye on, on something else. So, Ooh. Oh, can you tell us? Uh, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> I have to convince my team. I flagged it with my team last night. I was like, I really think next year we should do this. And they were like, they looked exhausted. It was the wrong time to flag it. Yeah. yeah. So we'll, let some, we'll, let, let, we'll all catch up on sleep. Yeah. And then um, start talking about it. Yeah. Is there a risk though that you may dilute the brand by expanding into too many categories? Like have you managed to scoop up maybe new customers yeah, yeah. Um, as you're going, as you're launching, you know, into expanding into new categories? You've got to be really careful. I'm very cautious. Everything needs to be a natural progression. 
Um, if it's not naturally Rebecca Valance, I'm, we're not going to mm. do it. You know, like, for example, bridal is so natural. Like we already do evening wear. It's it's an obvious one. Mm. Sportif, we had we found um, that we were having customers that were really loving our knitwear and more casual pieces for a while. And there was a nod to that. There's always something that leads you there. I mean, there are some categories we'll never go near because they're not authentic. That is the biggest thing. The customer, yeah. if you're just jumping on the bandwagon, mm. the customer sees straight through it. You know, so yeah, and also too, we don't decide things overnight. It takes like, as I said to you, I went to my team last week, and they're like, "Oh, we can't." No. You know, <laughs> so we'll marinate that for a while, and we'll see, and it'll be a roundtable decision. Yeah. Have there ever been any categories that you've entered that haven't performed like you expected, or Touch haven't wood. done as well? Um, no, because I've only ever done bridal and. Um, Sportif evening wear we launched it at Fashion Week in 2016, was it? Um, and I was cautious. That came from um, Netta Porte saying to us, you should do evening wear and me saying, mm. I can't, I don't know how, blah, blah, blah. And then another retailer, come, it might have been Harvey Nichols, somebody else coming in saying you should do evening wear and I was like, oh, I don't think so. And then uh, maybe Harrods in the end came in and by the end of that week, I remember we were in Paris and I was like, we need to do evening wear. So, yeah, things, I, I'm, I'm not, um, I'm very cautious with the risks that I take. I let them sit there for a bit. We like to plan things. You you can't in what we do, you can't just jump to, for me, I can't yeah. jump to something. I need to really think it through first. And what are some of the questions that you're asking yourself at the time when you're marinating or, for example, yeah. when the retailers are coming to you saying do evening wear and you're like, oh, I'm not sure. What are you What are you marinating on? What are you asking yourself? Is it a natural progression? Does this suit what we design? Would I be interested in that myself? Mm. Mm. Um, you know, do I think there's, you know, if, if something's an oversaturated area, why are they going to buy us? You know, so there's so many thoughts that, that go into, and, and can we do this in a fabulous, really strong way? You know, um, you want to do things and it be a, a success. You know, I, I have staff and I'm, I'm responsible for their wages each week. I want everything to be strong, successful, thought through, um, yeah, and I want to build. I don't want to, mm. things to fall apart. Yeah. You said that you ask yourself, is this a natural progression? Mm. Does this feel right for the brand? Yeah. What do some of your lead times look like from, say, oh my God. the idea drops into you, <laughs> pops into your head and then you have to try and figure out what's the plan in order to execute? How long oh, does that months. take? 12 months. It's pretty, that's not too bad. That's 12 months if it's going well. Like as yeah. I told you, if it's <laughs> not perfect, if it's not perfect, I'll pull it, you yeah. know. So, yeah, and 12 months is a lot, you know. Mm. There's a lot of people involved. And, yeah, that's true. Yeah, so I, I'm not somebody who does things last minute, but everyone yeah. is different. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Can you take us through that process mm. from this sort of idea or is it an idea in your head? Is that how kind of the process starts? And talk us through everything from from that point in time until it hits stores? What does that look like? I think like let's even talk about, I don't know, bridal. Then yeah. I'll I'll yeah. think, oh, um, you know, the retailers have asked for it. What do you think? What do you think? I'll ask like 150 people. What do you think? Like today <laughs> even at the show I've called like literally already um, yeah. three people and the how long has it been? Like 45 minutes. What did you yeah. think? What did you think? What do you think? <laughs> you think we should do this? What do you think? Could this have been better? Um, I like 
I like to hear people's feedback, you know. Yeah. We've got some retailers here today. Yes. Thank you so much for coming. Um, and I love I love everyone's opinion. I'm not mm. somebody who thinks that I'm, you know, a soul, you know, it's all happening around me. It's not, you know, it's all of us together. I want to hear, can you sell it? What are your thoughts? Um, and then, yeah, then we'll round table it. How will it happen? What? How will we do this? How You know, it's there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah, I do not. Um, shoot from the hip when it comes to product. Mm. No way. Yeah. Do you often find though that if you're asking people, you know, 150 people and they're sharing their opinions with you, mm. that it just gets a bit noisy and you don't actually know which way to turn? Because sometimes, you know, we we ask others for advice mm. or especially when we're kind of, you know, there's two of us, yeah. we get tied up. But ultimately, I think deep down we know what the right answer is or we kind of just take the right information or the right inputs to figure that out ourselves. Do you ever just get bombarded with feedback and it makes it too difficult? No, I welcome it. Like I love yeah. going into store with no makeup on mm-hmm. and um, tying my hair back in a ponytail and walking, working on the shop floor and helping people in the change rooms who have absolutely no idea that it's me that's serving them that's and listening to their um, feedback, why they're liking something, why they're not buying something, why something fits really incredibly well, the reason they're buying it, the reason they're not, um, what they're looking for. I I really bring it on, you know. So And I... And I you know, you take a summary of that and then you you mm. run with your gut, you know. Um, I think the biggest mistakes I've made in my career have been when I have not followed my gut. Yeah. Such It's the truth. Yeah. Do you have any uh, examples of that? Oh, it's everything. Like from let's keep it about um, the collection, you know. Mm. I'll say I'm not sure about this, this and that. And then you'll look at the – you'll – sit with the merchandiser or the planner each week and go through bestsellers and the piece that you thought, mm, not sure about that. What do you know? It's on the worst sellers list, you know? So I've learned to, if I'm feeling at the initial fabric stage when we're working with the mills to mm. develop the fabrics, if I'm not vibing it, I'm like, no, you know? But that yeah. takes 10 years to, to trust yeah. because sometimes you're wrong. Yeah. Sometimes you're like, oh, I think that fabric, mm, not sure about. Then you look at bestsellers and it's number one. You're like, wow, got that. Yeah, wow, okay, somebody else was right. So, yeah, you've got to trust your gut, but you've got to also be um, willing to trust people around you and their feed, their thoughts. And look, you're rolling the dice every day, aren't you, mm. really? You know? Mm. At what point in the 10 years did you really have that conviction that you knew your customer, you knew what was going to sell, you knew what was right for the business and the brand? At what point did you go, yeah, like I, I know? I think when um, Netta Porte picked us up and um, I watched and, and I'd never seen an order like that. I thought it was wrong. <laughs> I thought somebody's made a mistake here and um, they, they went live with the product and a lot of it went straight to sold out and I said to um, somebody who works with us, I said, oh, that's a marketing tool that they use and it's to obviously to get you to want to, you know, maybe buy something else. I said, it can't be for real. And, um, yeah, they had that season, I think a 98% sell through and it was like unreal. And their collect- what they bought was my favourite pieces in the collection. I knew there was something at that point that we were doing right.
How do you generate that degree of FOMO? Because, I mean, you said before that your sporty range sold out, mm. you know, 80% sell through in the first 24 hours sold out in three days. Like that's obviously a dream for any brand. Yeah. Is that engineered? No. It's all completely authentic. Mm. Yeah, 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 definitely. What do you put it down to? I don't know. I think our customers are really loyal. I mean, we can ask our friends over here, but I think um, people get excited and I think with Sportif they were excited for us to go into a new direction um, and supportive. Like I, I literally read all the Instagram messages, you know, and people are so kind, you know. So I think that's it. But it's again, it's to do with the product. If they love it, they'll buy it. If they don't, they won't. It's, I think it's quite simple. Yeah. And it is such a fun, accessible, celebratory brand. You feel good when you wear it. That's the aim. Mm-hmm. I want people, women, we have some men as well who buy it, but um, I want them to feel their best selves when they wear it. That's that's my goal. And if it happens to be on a really special occasion, isn't that wonderful? Mm-hmm. I hope that I've helped create some amazing, and my team have created some amazing memories and um, special moments. That's definitely the goal. Let's talk about team a little bit more. Yeah. You said that, you know, you worked with some people that have been around for a very long time. Mm. Um, we know that you've brought partners on, which mm-hmm. I'm really interested to understand more yeah. about. Where, I mean, I don't want to position it as a weakness. I bet you've got so many strengths. But where are the kind of areas that, you know, you need some help with and who have you brought on to fill those gaps? It's not needing help. Mm. Um, it's about... Um, how do I position this? So um, my husband obviously was the early investor. It's what he does every day for a living, but we are husband and wife and I really value my marriage and I want to keep it that way. <laughs> um, so, and also the business got to a point where um, I needed expertise and I'm so fortunate to work with two incredible um, men with Simon Ziad Gazelle, um, who I'm very close with and have a wonderful relationship with both personally and professionally. Um, and they came in and gave an incredible um, back of house way of doing things. You know, there's a mm. the, the wonderful. You know, the clothes you see on the runway are you know a delight, and they're they're incredible. But the back house of the business must also run, and they're wonderful at that. I'm probably I'm definitely stronger at the front, and they're incredible at the back. But it's a collaboration, and we all bring different things to the table. But it's not. Um, and we all work together, collaborate um, together. You know, mm. it's not. Yeah, it's a healthy partnership. You have to have a good, strong team around yeah, you. And you have yeah, to trust yeah. one another. And they've been around for uh, plus thirty years. You know, like aren't I lucky to be there? Can you tell us a little bit about what goes into the preparation of a show like this? Oh my god, so much! So it's incredible. Like I timed the music um, yesterday, and it said fifteen minutes and so and so seconds. Mm-hmm. But it is like it's months of planning and you are, and because I am OCD in the detail and so is all my team, you are, whether it's working with music directors, um, working in the collection, you know, the models are all different sizes, casting models, fitting models, we were making the shoes. That was, um, I was saying to the girls before, I'm covered in sweat and let me tell you, it wasn't actually about the show, it was about the shoes. (laughs) The bloody shoes. Yeah, the shoes. So, um we used the velvet from the dresses and made bows and glued and stuck them on to um, the base shoe. But what happened was in the rehearsal, all the bows fell off. I was sweating blood. I can't tell you. Um, So 
yeah, it's stuff like that, making shoes, ma- all the accessories were yeah. custom built. Um, the, so, the little, the tiny little, I was coaching models at the end of last <laughs> week, you know, like I picked there was one girl and I don't know if it's because I'm a mom or you're from the country or whatever, but I, I, she was a beautiful girl. She had the jumpsuit on today, the black mm. um, long sleeve jumpsuit, yeah. and I could see that she wasn't feeling confident and I said to her, uh, I pulled her aside late last week, I said, are you all right? And she said, I've never walked in a show before. And I said, you know what? I'm casting you because I believe in you. You've got all, you know, every reason to feel confident. Let's, Let's practice together. And so literally it was, I don't know if it was Sunday or Saturday, we practiced up and back, up and back, you know, and she she bloody nailed it today. I was so proud. And before she walked on and she was, as she was walking out, I said, I believe in you, I believe in you, you know, because that's sometimes what you need. And she nailed it. She nailed it. She did. They all did. Yeah. It was amazing. The wonderful group of girls. Like, yeah. I was so lucky today. All of them, they had such a vibe and such energy and um, I was so proud of every single one of them. <laughs> Who's the person for you in your life that tells you to believe in yourself? Do you have somebody that kind of acts as that person that boosts your own confidence? Probably my grandmother. Mm. Is it? Yeah. yeah. I think my, I lost my grandfather on Christmas Day. It was really hard. We're, we're a very, very tight-knit um, family. And um, recently, you know, I, I speak to my grandmother like a few times a week. And I said, oh, I just, I don't know if I can do this. And, you know, and she said to me, you can, you can, you can, because you're my everything, you know. And she, even um, when I rang her about my grandfather, she said, thank you. You are my medicine. You know, Mm -hmm. we have an extremely close bond and, um, you know, she's 91 and I definitely don't take that for granted, but she's definitely my rock. Yeah. She tells me how it is, but she's definitely, you know, she believes me and she's always been, even as a young girl, um, she's always been my encourager. And even when I wanted to marry a guy who lived in Europe that no one knew, (laughs) she's like, no, you go, you go. Yeah. So yeah, we're very close. So good. Yeah. So I want to ask about, I guess, the prep for a show like this. Obviously, there's a lot of glam mm, attached to mm. Fashion Week. It's your, you know, returning after many years. It's, you know, the beautiful runway, the models, the clothes, the press, all of that. But obviously building a business is bloody hard, you know. Oh, yeah. It's really, really tough and it's relentless. <laughs> what do you do to kind of pick yourself up in those days when it's just like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can keep going? You have to breathe, mm, you know. Yeah. Um, there's so you surround yourself with like-minded people, mm. like I keep saying. Um, and I think there's no challenge that we don't face as a team. You know, there might be one area of the business that takes a hit one day, and I might take a hit the other other day. But you have to believe in yourself. I also surround myself with people I know have my back. I think that's probably when I turned thirty. I thought. I need to have people that actually like me around me. <laughs> um, so I think the last 10 years I've really made sure that my close circle really have my back and also understand what I do for a living and embrace that. And I have some incredible best friends that, um, you know, were in tears today in the show and cheer me mm. on on a daily basis. And, um, yeah, I think too having a work-life balance. I'm quite particular with the guys in my team leaving at five every day. I take everyone to do Pilates once a week. Um, I think, you know, 
work-life balance is so important and yeah and having two little boys keeps it real you know there is no even last night I thought oh my god oh my god oh my god um they had made turned the entire house into what they called an airplane and every area of the house had been dragged along the floor and (sighs) tipped into this airplane I thought I was I actually thought I was going to lose my mind because I was so stressed (laughs) out but you have to like be in the moment be like oh it's great they're like come and sit in the plane and I was thinking my phone will not stop ringing anyway so yeah there's a having work-life balance having great people around around you um, and living in the moment. That's another thing, you know. How often do you get that balance right? Because I imagine you said you haven't had a day off in a while. Yeah. The team's kind of running, running, running. Yeah. Do you always find that balance or how do you I get I never find the balance. It? But like, for example, the last little bit's been about work mm. and like tomorrow so I'm going to turn my phone off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Tomorrow yeah. I'm going to turn my phone off yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm going to literally – not take my son to school, which sorry about that, but I'm going to hang so out good. with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and, good. you know, you've got to be in the moment with them and, and present. And then the next little bit is going to be about my kids. We hand over the collection now to sales. Yeah. It's for, They'll take it forward. I also want my team to have a break. I mean, mm. God, you know, it's, it's grueling. Yeah. I guess you're here after a decade of being in business, but along the journey, have you ever experienced or even now moments of doubt, self-doubt? Yeah, all the time. Can you kind of share some of those moments with us? Oh, God, they happen every Mm -hmm. hour. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I think like, you know, in the very early days, you know, when retailers come, they say to you, uh, you know, back in the very early days, oh, so we're going to pass this season, 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 right? And you think, oh, my God, everyone hates my brand. You know, like you've (laughs) got to be really strong mentally. And then I was so fortunate, Lisa Aitken, um, who now works at Modoc Brandi, mm. she was the head of Net-A-Porter's um, buying at the time in Paris and she spent two hours with me wow. telling me why she wasn't picking up the brand that season. And I had a notepad out and paper. I was writing the details. She's like, this is why, you know, the back's this, you need to lower the back, you need to do this, this is too commercial, you need to take it here, you need to take it there. And um, I took all of it. Um, I was with uh, one of my head designers at the time um, and we went back and we worked on it. I can't tell you. And we represented it to her at Australian Fashion Week and then I had to fly to New York and she picked up the brand. Oh. Um, so what was the question? Why am I telling you that? Good the story, moments though. of doubt. Oh, the moments of doubt. So that was not a moment. Like, that was a moment of, of nailed this. But yeah. the moments of doubt are when everyone says to you, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. Thank yeah. you. I'm just going to keep yeah. watching this band and I'm going to pass. And you're thinking, how many more people are going to pass, you know? Um, yeah. But then you get a big guy like them mm. and then it was a roll-on effect from there. Then my Teresa yeah. came on board and um, mm. you just, you've got to keep your eye on the prize. You've got to keep making sure that you're authentic in the product, in you and yeah. Yeah. What do you think? Sorry. What no, you, we're going to ask the same questions. Babe. I was not. Yeah, we usually do. But I was. <laughs> someone said to me the other day that um, being an entrepreneur or owning your own business was like repeatedly getting just like punched in the face. Yeah. Like you're a, like you're a boxer or you're yeah. an elite athlete. And I was like, holy crap! I've never heard something more truer than that. Absolutely. Do you yeah. feel? Do you feel that? Oh, yeah. You just like everyone just keeps punching you until someone's like, actually, let me just quickly roll out the red carpet. Then they'll pull it away from you. But you know, it's it's. Full on. It's it's so true, but sometimes I get anxiety. I mean, you've got my yeah. phone over there, and I think if 
people could read the text messages between myself and like friends of mine. How's your day been? Oh my God. Literally that. I feel like I've been punched in the face 85 times. Um, But this is what I sign up for. You know, you can't be like, well, it's me. You you come, you turn up, you take the good with the bad. Um, And I'm a big believer in positive energy and finding the good, staying focused. And I mean, if I didn't believe in the brand, I wouldn't be here. And I always say to my team, if we're not having a good time, it's time to stop. So let's do it with a smile on our face and have a damn good time. We absolutely believe that. You have to have fun. Yeah, absolutely. If you're not having fun, there's no point. Life's too short. I've lost so many people, you know, in the last 12 Mm. 12 months. So um, you need to have a a good time. Otherwise, it's just not worth it. Absolutely. And that leads nicely into our next question, which was about Carla Zampatti, obviously Mm. a true icon in the fashion industry. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she was, um, we believe, a mentor to you. Um, What did she teach you about business and about fashion? I think um, myself and a lot of others were so lucky to, um, it wasn't official mentorship or anything like that. Like I want to be very upfront about that. It's Carla in general um, with the majority of us is, I'm sure with everyone actually, um, is so supportive and she pushes you forward, you know, like I remember, you know, even entering the Walmart competition, she was at our office and, you know, she sat with me, oh God, how long, would it be, mate, four or five years ago and I'd bought on investors and she wanted to know about that. She wanted to know about key retailers. And can I be really honest, like the advice that she's given me has been so true. Like, you know, about having my own bricks and mortar store. She's like, you need to focus on Australia. You must focus on Australia. You can control it, blah, blah, blah. Like she, she is a fabulous woman, so kind, so thoughtful and such a genuine supporter of Australian designers. And let's Mm. be honest, like a lot of us, um, you know, it's a tough industry and she was 120% encouraging and supportive and authentically wanting us to do our best. And any designer will tell you exactly the same thing. A true icon. Did she leave you with anything personal? Yeah, I mean, everything she did. There's some things obviously I can't say because they're, way, you know, they're, they're, they're personal about the intricacies of, of my business. But, you know, she, as I said before, like it's so important to concentrate on the business here. I think because I launched overseas, I was so focused on that. But that's definitely a lesson in the last 12 months to definitely focus on your own um Australian market and the power of having your own stores here. Um, but also too, just seeing her in a room, um, she's always she's always such a lovely spirit, you know, and I was talking to somebody recently, even the launch of Fashion Week, just not having her in the room, it was really, it's sad, mm-hmm. you know. She's such a, a lovely lady and it's a loss for us all. But, you know, Bianca wrote me, um, her daughter, the most beautiful text message I sent to her and mm-hmm. I said, um, aren't we lucky that Carla lives on in you, Bianca? And she wrote back, she lives on in all of us, mm. you know? I mean. Oh, I've got goosebumps. Yeah. yeah. They're lovely girls, you know, um, both Bianca and Allegra. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. We've interviewed a lot of entrepreneurs, founders, um, some incredible women. And, you know, we know that there's a lot of different ingredients that go into being a success determination, grit, a good team, someone there to support you, all the things. Positive outlook, a clear vision. <laughs> yeah, for so sure. Many things. Yeah. So many factors. What do you put it down to? All of that. Um, 
it's about everything. It's about being organized. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm really particular. I want, you know, for example, the you know jumpsuit and dress is the absolute best fabric we can find, the best workmanship, um, best and also best practice with manufacturing and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, and then making sure it's at a price that everyone can afford and mm. there's so much that goes into it and so many people that go into it. Yes. It just reminds me of something that CJ Hendry, an artist, said to us, which is like if the product is quality, it will stand on its own. And I think, you know, that's sort of what you're saying. If you yeah, have an definitely. incredibly amazing product and a really strong brand, it sort of carries you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I've seen arguments in my office about whether we should take in a waste half a centimetre. <laughs> you know, there's definitely a lot of love for the product. Passion. That's for sure. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Trust me. It happens. <laughs> so good. So... We have a few final questions. I can't believe we've almost been going for an hour. Oh, but... I love it. My champagne, I think we can oh, fill it up. Oh, yeah. Shortly. Do you want some no, more? No, no, no. It's fine. I have to drive. <laughs> okay. well, we'll give you a little bit. Come on. All right. All right. So All right. what have you learned about building a brand, building a business over 10 years? What are some of the biggest lessons that you've learned? I said before to trust your gut. Yeah. Um, to have incredible people that work with you. Um, to be there all the time. Um, you know, I'm at, when it's not COVID, I am at every New York fashion week. I am mm. at the desk table. I am seeing the retailers. I am in it. If something's not working, I want to know why. I want to know how I can help them. Um, I do not have a hands-off approach. Mm. For me, I, don't, I, I couldn't do it. Um, but I'm, I'm absolutely not a micromanager either. You can ask any of my team. Mm. Um, don't take anything for granted. Don't yeah. think that just be, you're only as good as your last season. So every day is like your first day because the world we live in now moves so quickly and at such pace and there's mm. such high competition around that if your product is not outstanding, um, you will get replaced. So it's it's exhausting, but yeah. um, you got to be up for it. I'm up for it. <laughs> it's a marathon. <laughs> Over the last decade, what have you learned about yourself? That I work really hard. Yeah. <laughs> Um, that I'm relentless, but I'm human, you know, like, what can you say? You know, it's hard. I've got two young little baby boys and I'm, I'm, I'm an active mum too. I don't, you know, I don't like other people raising my kids. I'm, mm. I'm on it as well. It's hard. And there's never a perfect day. You know, I've got a little boy at the moment who's got croup and um, last night was real, let me tell you. Um, but you just, you've got to do your best. I just try and do my best. I try and be the kindest person I can. I went to every model today, told them I believed in them um, and that's who I am. And, you know, take me or leave me. I'm, I'm 40 years of age. I'm not going to change. <laughs> I am who I am. I mean, you've obviously, you've achieved some incredible things. So your approach is obviously working. Yes. <laughs> Today, but you've got to see what tomorrow's going to yeah. hold. <laughs> yeah, true, true. What is one last piece of business advice that you can leave all of the lady brains in this room and around Australia and the world uh, mm-hmm. listening, watching? One, one last. Just one wow. piece of advice. Believe in yourself, believe in your vision and don't give up. And lastly, what's next for RV? Where are you going? 
well, tonight I'm going out for dinner. I'm going to have a few, let me tell you. (laughs) A couple of vinos, great. Absolutely. And what's next? You know, for me, it's about my family next. Um, And then after that, we'll see where the world is at. You know, swim, we launched in October, November. I want to make a big deal of it Mm. here in Australia. Um, But we've got to keep watching the world. I mean, every day is a new day at the moment, isn't Mm. it? You know, so we've got to see where we're at and take it from there. We obviously have our strategy in place, but... We have to take it day by day at the moment. Amazing. Well, Beck, congratulations on 10 years in business. Thank you. It's been wonderful to talk to you. Thank you for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers. (laughs) Thanks, guys, for coming too. Thank you. (laughs) So that's it for the podcast, guys. Um, Just to wrap up the episode, if you are listening to this, uh, please press subscribe on Apple or Spotify. And for all the behind the scenes action for Fashion Week, please follow Lady Brains on Instagram at lady.brains. Lady Brains is hosted by Anna McKenzie and Caitlin Judd. The producer is Brooke Carrigan. Audio production by Matt Nikolich. <laughs>